0: Welcome to the new growth podcast with Nikki Walton. Join her as she explores divine love as a key to spiritual growth, empowered service, and inner and outer success. If you'd like to support Nikki's podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Nikki. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of New Growth. I am your host, Nikki Walton, and today I have with me Neil Donald Walsh, New York Times best-selling author and spiritual messenger. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's lovely to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation. How may I serve you?
0: By telling us how you are experiencing this present moment, like what's Neil's experience of the now.
1: I feel like I'm being given an opportunity to share something that's very dear to my heart, very important in my mind, and very much a part of what my soul uh, is up to. And so I feel like I'm in the presence of uh, beauty. Obviously, you're an extraordinarily beautiful human being. And I suspect that's true both uh, inward and outwardly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People who know you I'm sure would tell me that. So I'm feeling in this exact moment, anticipatory, kind of excited uh, and um, grateful for having the opportunity to share something so important.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You know, I always try to think back to when I first ran, like bumped into a teacher And with you, it was October 2013, and I was probably halfway through the first chapter of Conversations with God, volume one. And when I'm reading a really good book, I can't keep reading it. So I like close it every like couple of paragraphs. I close it. I put it down halfway through the first chapter, and I immediately went out on Amazon and bought copies for everyone dearest to me, like my grandfather, you know, who's in Pensacola, Florida, my uncle, a couple of my aunts, my mother it was very powerful and it shifted the way I was. It shifted my relationship with my thoughts um, and with the present and with God. Um, I was raised Catholic, so there was a lot of guilt and shame and fear. And even though I wasn't a practicing Catholic at the time, um, I finally was able to start using the word God instead of you know, like those new age, like the universe and (laughs) all those terms, I was able to kind of reclaim that and redefine that. So thank you so much for that.
1: Gosh, Nikki, it's wonderful to hear those words from you. And I'm humbly grateful to God that some small thing I have done may have touched your life in a way that you feel is beneficial. So thank you. Thank you for telling me that.
0: It changed everything. And I actually started a journaling practice around that time with that two-way communication. So that's my first question for you. I um, heard you say before that God isn't just talking to Neil. God is talking or communing with all of us. It's just a matter of we're listening. Right. So I wanted to know, like, how people can get into that place of being able to have their inner ear open.
1: Well, you know what's interesting, uh, Nikki, there is no one size fits all answer to your question. That is, I think that every one of us has our own way. And even even one way doesn't work all the time for any of us. It seems like it's different depending on what hour of the day, what day of the week it is. Like if you wake up suddenly at 4.30 in the morning with something on your mind, it may be one way that you approach that experience of being connected and open to the message of the divine. On the other hand, if it's 4.30 in the afternoon, it may be an entirely different way. So uh, it's hard for me to answer that question uniformly by giving you a single answer, but let me offer this. I think that there is a particular energetic uh, that um, allows us to notice the many ways in which we are offered an opportunity to connect with the divine. And that energetic is what I call willingness, or if you please, openness, that if we're open to the possibility, you know, it's amazing how many people I've talked to through the years who have told me that they didn't really feel Open. They they, they they might have felt willing, but they didn't feel worthy. It's not supposed to happen to me. You know, mm-hmm. I I I I'm not ready for this, or I don't know how to handle it. And so, for a whole variety of reasons, people might step back from uh, their openness to hear from the divine. But once we are open, once we are saying, "Okay, I do feel worthy," um, you know, I don't have to be a walking spiritual master to be worthy. Uh, Of hearing from God. In fact, frankly, just the opposite. Who God wants to talk to the most are those of us who will maybe not be uh, living (laughs) at a level of mastery right now. So, but uh, if I allow myself to be open to that, then I suddenly start to see the countless ways in which God is communicating with us and allowing us to be connected with God throughout the day. It might be the words on the billboard as we're turning the corner and there's a huge Mm -hmm. sign on the billboard that suddenly makes more sense to us than it ever did before, even though we've passed that billboard every day for a couple of months. Or it could be the the lyrics to the next song you hear on on the radio. Mm -hmm. Or it could be the chance utterance of a friend on the street. Or in fact, it could be words that you hear in your own mind that come to you like a bolt out of the blue like a thought that just arrives in your mind out of nowhere and you quickly write it down because you don't want to forget what you heard Mm -hmm. so there are very very many ways uh, in which we can access those messages meditation of course is an obvious way and um But if I might offer this as well, not during meditation, I, I, I I invite people and really advise people not to sit down to have a meditation. In which you hope to hear a particular message from the divine, but rather to have a meditation that just opens you to the space, to the nothing, to where you're not thinking of anything, anticipating anything, requiring anything, asking Mm -hmm. for anything, but just allowing yourself to be there for whatever life offers you in that moment, to be simply open to the moment, and then let it go at that. Often it's after such a meditation, rather than during the meditation, that when we come out of meditation and suddenly, oh my gosh, I've got to write this down, because then an idea or a thought uh, might come to you and you want to make sure you keep a record of that. I advise people to keep a journal. I know that a lot of people say this, but I'm going to add to those who have said it in the past. It's important to have a journal so you don't miss, mm. uh, you know, what's, what's flowing through your mind. Otherwise, it'll go in one ear and out the other, literally. <laughs> yes. and, and then you try to remember. And you, then maybe, a, you know, a few hours later, you say, I had this great insight, you know, a couple of hours ago. And, and, and your your lover or your spouse or your friend might say, yeah, what was it? And I'll go... I don't, I'm trying to remember. I, all I remember is that I really wanted to remember it, and now I've forgotten it. So I make sure that I have a journal near me, and if I don't put it down in my journal, I have it in my cell phone. I have a yes. little notepad in my cell phone, and I have a I have a, a place on my cell phone where I've you know, punched in all of the thoughts that occurred to me that I want to keep a, a record of, if you please. Yes. Oh, um, I have the funny. same
0: thing. I'm afraid that well, somebody's going to find my phone once and go through those. I'm sure it sounds like a crazy lady. I've got thousands of notes for uh, when I can't get to my journal. That's so funny. Yeah, Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so we're playing we're playing the game in the same way.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. Your words are like poetry. Thank you so much for your response to that. And I want to know for you like what point in your life did that opening happen? You know, for you when to come to the message.
1: Yeah, when everything was falling apart, mm-hmm. and I, I, I hope that no one else feels they have to wait until that time. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, Nikki, my life was really uh, collapsing in front of me. My, my relationship with my significant other had uh, had ended. Uh, my uh, job had ended. I was laid off at the same time, wow. and then, and then, as as luck would have it, I was hit by a car. Uh, as i was driving down the road uh, i mean i was in my car but he collided with my car Mm. and uh, i suffered a broken neck uh, in that automobile accident so here i was now all three things at once usually in a person's life maybe the relationship isn't going so well but work is going okay and health is okay or maybe health is not going so well but the relationship is going uh, okay but but in, in my life all three happened everything. in the same two-week wow. period. My relationship fell apart. I had my broken neck, so my health is going rapidly downhill. Um, and, and I lost my job. So it, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong at the same time. And so you can imagine I finally called out to God one morning. It was 4.30 in the morning. I recall it vividly, 4.23 to be exact. Wow. And I, raised, I, I woke up in, in a fury. And I was marched out into the other room uh, from my bedroom, and I s- plunked myself down on the couch and I remember just calling out to god what what do you want from me?" Yeah. what do you want from me? What have I done to deserve a life of such unending continuing struggle?" I mean, you know what? Just give me the rule book. I I promise I'll play. Just give me the rule book. How does it work? Oh, by the way, and after you give me the rule book, don't change the rules.
0: Don't because every
1: time book. I turn around, I, the rules are being changed. One day it's okay, then it's not okay. It's it's the one day it's not okay, and then it's okay. I mean, what's going on here? And so that's really where I was in that moment when I wrote my angry letter to God on a yellow legal pad, which happened to be on the coffee table in front of me, just to capture my grocery list really, Mm. there there it was. And so I wrote, dear God, what is it that I don't understand here? Clearly there's something I don't understand about life and about you and about me, the understanding of which would change everything. Just tell me what it is. And as uh, as my life went forward, in that moment, I actually heard what I want to say was the voice of God, saying, "Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions, <laughs> or are you just venting?" You know, I remember thinking, and I wrote on the on the yellow legal pad, "I am venting, but if you got answers, I'd sure like to know what they are, because right. I'm really tired. I'm tired of the game." I don't get it. And so that's what happened. This was now wow. probably 30, 25 or 26 years ago, somewhere in there. Uh, and uh, and I I had thought, Nikki, by that time, I was 50 years old, uh, just a little older than 50. And I thought, you know, I'm in the middle of my life. If I'm lucky, I'm actually past the middle of my life at the age of 50. And I'm, I, I don't know any more than I did when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, about about the whole game, about you know, what I'm doing here, why am I here, and how can I make this all work? Yeah. So I, uh, I began writing those uh, those questions out, those angry questions, and I got answers. I heard answers in my mind, and so I wrote down the answers. But what mm-hmm. was interesting, Nikki, was that the answers brought up, of course, other questions. Right. So I would say, uh, well, wait a minute, what about this? And then I'd get the answer to that. Then I'd say to myself, I'd write down, yeah, but, you know, I had all kinds of yeah, buts. yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? And then I would get another answer and another answer. And before I knew it, I was caught up in an on-paper conversation with God. What I called a conversation with God was a dialogue with my highest inner self, the place of wisdom and clarity that resides within all of us. Because I asked the question why don't why are you talking only to me why don't you talk to everyone like this the answer that i got was neil sweetheart neil i'm talking to everyone all the time the question is not to whom am i talking the question is who's listening so i had to look at that and i realized that the reason that we don't think of ourselves as receiving information directly from the divine is number one, we don't feel worthy. Number two, even if we put that aside, we don't think it's possible. I mean, God doesn't talk to me, maybe to the Pope possibly, but I mean, nobody else. I mean, how does, does, you know, so so I kind of denied what, uh, or then I started calling it other things. I noticed all kinds of people on the earth call this phenomena something else. So they won't get ridiculed. So they don't get marginalized. So they call it women's intuition. Mm. Or a stroke of genius, or a sudden, you know, epiphany, you know, or a a brilliant idea. But they would never call it a conversation with God. Right? They don't see themselves as having that experience. So, uh, but that's how it happened in in my life. And thank goodness, I began uh, keeping a record. I mean, I had yellow legal pads filled with these back and forth conversations. I considered it a a process of journaling, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, but I never knew it would go on forever and ever and ever. But so I kept a stack of these yellow you know, legal pads. After I a while, can you
0: imagine?
1: <laughs> yeah, and are like thirty
0: something books, right? It's like thirty nine.
1: Thirty nine, yeah, thirty nine books, yes. But they're they're not all in the conversation with God dialogue format. I think I have nine nine uh, books where there was a question and answer format. Wow. The other books are also, I think, uh, what I call bring throughs. That is, mm-hmm. the thoughts came to me. From that source of, of divine clarity that resides within all of us yes, yes. but but not in necessarily in a dialogue format Got it. but there were there are actually nine dialogue books with you know back and forth questions and answers uh and and those books have been read by a few people around the world
0: <laughs> A few they, people. they've been translated
1: yeah. into 37 languages i'm told yeah. and so it's been an interesting experience
0: well You said that you hope that most people don't have to suffer the way that you did to start listening to God. And I wonder if before the suffering, those questions were already there. Like, were you all, did you feel that within you where you already had those questions that you began writing on that legal pad? Some
1: of the questions I did, you know, the normal intellectual questions we all have about God, you know, is there a God at all, you know, and if so, how does it work and all that, but most of the most urgent questions, frankly, I did not have before life started caving in on me, because life was going well enough, you know, I had my moments of of unhappiness or a few things that didn't go exactly right, but life was going well enough, and I, so the most urgent questions I did not have, but but many of the standard, typical uh intellectual questions yeah i had the same questions we all have what's yeah. life all about is there really a god after all and if there is a god you know what does god want from me and how does it all work i did have those questions
0: yeah okay.
1: most of okay. us do i think
0: yeah yeah I've was swirling here since i was like seven
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what's interesting about that nikki yeah. uh, surveys have shown that eight out of ten people have a belief in a higher power of some sort But we we can't seem to come to an agreement Mm. on what the higher power is, what, if anything, it wants, what, if anything, it demands, and what it does if it doesn't get what it demands, and and how it works. We can't agree on that. So as a result of our inability to come to that agreement, we have 4,300, that's 4,300 known religions on the face of the earth because we can't simply agree on the the simplest truth
0: about God. right? Which is an excellent segue into your latest book, The God Solution. And you redefine God, what I believe, and y'all know at home, this is my true, this is my definition of God, too. So I was really excited to read this in your latest book. Like, I felt like, ah, I must be on the path. I'm on the right path because you said the words that I feel, that I've been feeling, that I've been practicing. So can you share with the audience your definition of God that you shared in your new book?
1: Oh, I'd I'd be happy to, Nikki, and thank you for, again, the opportunity to share that with you. Um, What I came to is an awareness that unless we can come to some fundamental agreement on who and what God is and what God wants, we're never going to be able to use our belief in a higher power in a way that can make life better for us on the earth. I mean, I had to ask, I, I stopped and I asked myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. If there really is a God, if God truly exists, if there's a higher power, why is the world such a mess? What's the point of having a God? If if we're gonna have life the way we have created it on the earth and the way we continue to create it every day, Including in these most recent times of course with the pandemic and the economic collapse and the racial injustice and and the anger that we're seeing between people of different Races and different religions and different political points of view and different financial status and you know What's going on? Why is the world the way it is? And what is it? We don't understand and so what God said to me was, you know, Neil what you're going to have to do is come up with a brand new definition of God because the mm. challenge is the problem is the way you have defined God and when, when you know the way you mean the human race, the way he, the human species has defined God, even though there are 4,300 different religions, almost all of them, not all of them, but almost all of them define God as this. Power up there. This source, sometimes a being, uh, mm-hmm. a, a grand being, who demands things from us and requires us to meet those demands. And if we don't meet those demands, who will condemn us and punish us with uh, everlasting suffering in a place that is called hell or Hades, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and, or the dark dominion. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's it's like God said. Uh, The problem is that you're basing your human behaviors on how you think God behaves. So until you change your model of God, you're not gonna change your model of what it means to be human. So I was invited to look deep within. Neil, if you went deep into your heart and deep into your soul and just said in a word or two, what do you really, really, really experience God as being? Give me your best definition. And I just popped up with pure love. I would call God pure love. And God said to me, very good, <laughs> very good, sweetheart. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I am. Write a book about it, because that's the solution to humanity's manifest problems. And so I called, called the book, The God Solution, in which I invited the species to redefine God as pure love. Now, you know what's interesting about that, uh, Nikki, is most people would say, well, I agree. Who who would disagree? God is love. God is love. Yes, we all agree that God is love. I say, no, 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 wait a minute. Now, you got to be very careful. I didn't say God is love. I said God is pure love. That's a particular kind of love. It's not the way we love each other, or most of us, at least, on this planet.
0: Right.
1: No, pure love needs, demands, commands, and expects. Nothing in return. It's the way we have learned to love at certain moments of our life. If you're holding a tiny baby in your arms, for instance, you're capable of loving that wonderful infant purely. You don't need anything back and you certainly don't punish the baby for anything even if that little baby in your arms has an unfortunate biological accident. <laughs> right. You know, you, you, don't, you don't say, I'll get you for that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or punish the baby It'd be because you realize the purity uh, with which the baby is now experiencing life. And that's how God understands us. God understands that human beings are really, in a sense, the infants, the babies of the universe you have only been here a relatively short period of time, relative to the age of the cosmos. And so, and so God has no need to punish us for anything. God loves us, and for that matter, all sentient beings, purely with no expectation or requirement for anything in return. If we can learn to love each other that way, if we can use that as our new global ethic, We can change the way we interact with each other, politically, socially, economically, and spiritually.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so many of our human-made problems would disappear virtually overnight.
0: I love that. Love is the answer to everything, the solution for everything. Pure love. Pure love. Pure love.
1: Pure love is the answer. Because if we say love is the answer to everything, people will say, yep, I agree.
0: That's what the Beatles said. <laughs> yeah,
1: but when you say, "Now, are you, are you agree with me that pure love—that is love that demands and expects nothing in return—is that what you're talking about?" And if you mm-hmm. ask people of religion that question, most of them—not all of them—but most of them will say, "No, no, 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 no." Do, you know, God does expect certain behaviors in return, right, and if you don't behave in—well, yeah. not only that, something as simple as going to mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. To give you an example, when I was a young Catholic boy, I was told at the age of nine that by a priest, by the way, not by just somebody who was talking about it, this was a priest who I anticipated was the source of wisdom and clarity and authority, the authority figure in my parish. And he told us if you miss mass on Sunday without a legitimate excuse, you know, if you have to stay home to take care of your mother who's ill, or if you're an adult and you have a job you have to go to, okay, fair enough. But if you go to, you know, just go to the playground to play baseball on Sunday morning and you miss mass, and if you should get hit by a car on the same day and die, you're going to hell.
0: That is terrifying. <laughs> you will that go to really hell.
1: Sad for missing mass without a good excuse. And and I, I, by the way, just a few months ago, I looked that up again to make sure that what I was taught as a child wasn't maybe outmoded, maybe the mm-hmm. church kind of let go of that idea. No, they still teach that idea as common Roman Catholic theology to this very day. Wow. Divorced mm-hmm. people are not allowed to go to mass. Divorced people in a Catholic church are not allowed to receive communion. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an idea right? of how of how arbitrary many of our religions, not just the Catholic Church, but how arbitrary many of our religions imagine God to be. You either do this, or I will get you, and I'll put you in in, in hell. So it's either this or that. And so we have a God that we imagine to be quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. It's this for that, this for that. It's a trade deal. You know, it's kind of like, and that's how people love each other. We've learned to love each other in the same way, Nikki. We've learned to say, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll give you what I got, you give me what you got, I'll share what's mine, you share what's yours, but if you stop sharing what's yours, I will stop sharing what's mine. And so we have a trade deal, like like nations have trade deals mm-hmm. with each other. And then on the 14th of February on Valentine's day, we sent each other the perfect card, my darling, my sweetheart. <laughs> my beloved other, I trade you very much and I'll never stop trading you. I will trade you till the end of time. And we call love trading. Yeah. And that's how we imagine God to love us. If you belong to the right religion, if you obey the right commandments, if you do what I've told you that you must do, then, you know, I will let you come back to me when you die and rejoin me in heaven. Otherwise... I hate to tell you this but you're going to hell. What and God says to us that if we're not in, if we're not the right religion, forget about going to mass. If you happen to be a Buddhist or if you happen to be a Jew or if you happen to be a Muslim or if you happen to belong to any other of the 4300 religions on the earth other than the Christian religion, Christians will tell you you're going straight to hell. It doesn't matter how compassionate you are, how wonderful you are, how generous you are, how caring you are, or how loving you are. None of those things matter. You're going to hell because you didn't join the right church. Well, no wonder we behave with each other in the same way. After all, we have it on the highest authority. This is the way God acts. Either you do what I tell you, and the rules are very simple and very strict, or, you're going to hell. And I'll be punishing you with everlasting um, torture for the rest of eternity. That's what I call a loving God. Mm.
0: I was going to say a lot of um, like the new age space, you know, as we kind of start digging and looking for answers, a lot of us like reestablish a Santa Claus God. I think that was Joel Goldsmith that coined that term. He's one of my favorite teachers where We go to God and we ask for things and we hope that he'll give them to us if we've been, you know, good boys and girls and we ask as if God doesn't already know what we need as if we can consult with God on who's sick and who needs healing and what needs to happen. And the first time I ever read that, I'm like, that's absolutely how I had been coming to God like Santa Claus as if God didn't already know what was needed here. Well,
1: well, but you got to know that God is making a list and checking it twice. You got to (laughs) find out who's naughty and nice. That's exactly right. And and, 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 and so so if you're not a member of a particular church or obeying particular rules, if you do stuff that's not okay, then you are going to be going to hell. Mm -hmm. And the list of what's not okay is not a short list. It's, It's a rather long list, by the way. So there you are. Yeah. That's how we that's how we imagine God to be.
0: So but in this what new God re-imagining, is daring us to
1: do. Mm-hmm. Say it again, please.
0: I was just gonna say in this new reimagining as God as this pure feeling, this pure love, the feeling of love. Um, I'd like to know if it demands our attention, our remembrance, or if no, that's my not. human demand, <laughs> limited view of duality. No, it
1: doesn't it doesn't demand anything why would why would god demand our attention and demand our love
0: it feels so it's i'll like, tell like, you what it feels like in I, my practice and i know and i wrote this down actually in kind of a q and a style cuz when i read your words in the book that god demands and requires nothing of us and i'm like but i have to pay attention to that feeling that came up to. and then i wrote i wrote myself a note you know from my higher self and i'm like well if nikki is not and only this love is your attention that seeming attention it's an illusion. The love stands. It looks like Nikki's turning to love. Nikki's remembering love. Nikki's feeling love. But only this love is. But it still feels like, like paradoxically, I have to practice the presence of God, practice the presence of love. So that's where, that's the reason. The, I'm so excited to talk to you today because I'm like, what do I do with this? That's definitely a belief that I'm still hung up on.
1: Well, you don't have to practice the presence or the belief in God. You're simply invited to use your awareness of who you are and of who God is in relationship to you. You're simply invited to use that awareness should you choose to use the higher power to create the life for yourself and those you love that you would prefer to experience. But you don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. And of the eight million, I should say eight billion people on the earth, most of them do not. Yes. So it's not a question of what we have to do; it's a question of what we prefer to do. So you know, it's not it's not a, a it's not a requirement.
0: I guess but, I prefer to spend every waking moment turned toward love, and it's all-consuming. It's all I do with well, this light in,
1: now. And the, the fastest way to do that, in my experience is to be the cause of another person or any other entity, any other being uh, on the earth to to uh, experience their turning to love. Uh, let, me, nice. let me give you an example. My, uh, my darling wife uh, is the most loving person I've ever met, not just to other human beings, by the way, but to every living thing. I mean, she's the kind of person who, who makes sure that the spider that got caught in the house is, is not hurt. She'll put a little cup over the top of it. Then she'll race to the nearest window and open the window or go to the front door and open the door. Then she'll come back to where the where the spider is under the cup and put something underneath it so you can hold it in mm-hmm. and race to the window and put it out and say, OK, sweetheart, go back to where, where your natural habitat and have a good life, however long your life is going to be. I'll watch her do that and she you know and she she does that with helps birds and beetles and spiders and yes people a constant outflowing of love from her to every other living entity and and, and when i say living entity i don't mean just uh beings like beetles or spiders or people even trees flowers plants Anything that's alive, in the most used sense of the word, she is kind to, and um, and I, I saw, I see that across the room, uh, between myself and her, and she's a living, walking example of, of what pure love is really all about. So, I've kind of trained myself now to think, you know, how how can I experience that love? in me as me, How, what's the best way to experience that? And the answer is to let it flow through me to every other aspect of life, whether it in fact is a tree or a spider or another human being. Mm. And, and, uh, and so what I've taken to saying to myself in my mind, to other people, I don't say it out loud, of course, I would never say it out loud, because nobody would understand. They would probably be upset with me. Who do you think you are? And by whose authority are you acting like this? <laughs> They'd probably say to me, but so I say it in my head, but I do say it in my head. The first time I see another human being or another entity uh in, in life when I wake up in the morning each day, maybe it is my beloved spouse uh, uh, across the pillow, or maybe it's someone across town, a total stranger on the other side of the city that I happen to run into at the post office or whoever it might be. I say the same thing. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Your life will be made better today for my having passed through it, I promise you.
0: That's beautiful. That's a gorgeous practice. I come, and I, the I, that's that same place within all of us, right? Manifested yes. as Neil in that moment, but that's a very powerful practice. How long did it take for you to remember to do that upon bumping into someone? Because I tried to have a similar practice in the last two years, and I'm usually walking away from the person when I'm like, ah, Damn, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot again. Yeah,
1: yeah I forgot to say it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: it, it 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 only took me seventy seven years, so it <laughs> it, it, ah. it shouldn't take you long. But I uh, but uh, once it becomes a habit, uh, it it seems, it seems almost natural. Yeah, uh, to think uh, of life's moments in those terms. That's uh, again whether but, but I am blessed with having a, a living breathing walking example uh, sharing life with me. You know, so, so you know my 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 wife would never even think of swatting a mosquito. It just would never happen in her life.
0: Running in circles from a bumblebee, which I still would probably do outside.
1: Oh no not only just not only does she not run in circles from a bumblebee, she actually invites them. She'll put her hand out and say, come on sweetheart, you can land here.
0: I would love to not be afraid of bugs. That's a thing. Yeah. I'm working on Just, come on,
1: Come on, sweetheart. You're, you're okay. You're okay with me. And if you need to be outside, if you're in, inside the house, I watched her carry a bee, actually a bumblebee, since you mentioned it, about five or six months ago. I watched her carry a bumblebee that was banging up against the window pane, trying to get back out. I don't know how he got in, but she picked up the bee and just put it in her hand and cupped it in her hand. And she said, it's okay, sweetheart. It's okay. We're going to take it back outside. And somehow the bee didn't sting her. And you tell me the bee didn't understand at some intuitive, energetic level that it was being loved. Oh yeah. And she managed to get the door open with her foot and, and, and left the bee out. And I watched her do that, and I went, "Oh man!"
0: You live with an man. angel, M. Right? I tell do. M, I said, "I love her," and that's beautiful. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and she, she is. She is in, in that way. Not that she's a perfect human being.
0: None of us are. But, <laughs> but,
1: but in, I wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> oh, excuse me.
1: <laughs> uh, but uh, but she is in in those ways a model. And that's what I encourage people to step into, to be a model, an exemplar, to be a demonstrator of who they understand themselves to be, and to thus show others who they are as well.
0: That's
1: That's what every great uh, spiritual master has ever done. No one's ever done anything else other than exactly that.
0: Did you ever think that your conversations would go this far? Something that felt very private and very personal to you would have this big of an effect on people around the world?
1: No. I mean, I don't know who, who could have ever imagined such a thing. I knew it would touch uh, other people in a positive way because I was told that it would. And I, at that point, I had a lot of faith yeah. in what I was uh, receiving so that's why. That's why I wound up sending my notes to a publisher to begin with. Because when I was first told, the very first time I heard, "You will make of this a book, and it will touch many people," I thought, "We'll see about that." Mm-hmm. It was, it, this was a way for me to measure the uh, the truthfulness, the authenticity, I want to say, yeah. of what I was experiencing. Because I thought my first thought was no way in the world. Mm-hmm. There's no publisher in the country that's gonna you know, stop everything he's doing and say to the to the editors on the workroom floor, hey guys, we gotta get this book out right away. This guy's talking to God.
0: Right. God's and, messenger here. <laughs>
1: no, no no way in the world. So so I, I realized this would be a way to to test. if you please to test the messages so i sent it to a publisher just to see what would happen knowing that there wasn't one chance in a million that he would actually publish a dialogue with god but in fact they did much to my shock and surprise they called me a few weeks after i sent it in and said we want to we want to put your book out and i said no way you're kidding me they said no we, we we find it fascinating And then the rest, as they say, is publishing history, 39 books and millions and millions of copies later, uh, the message is getting out there. But to answer your question, no, I couldn't have imagined in my wildest dreams that anything like this would occur.
0: The confidence and the clarity and the light in your words. I remember, I think it was just a few weeks ago, I had... um, One of my readers on Instagram sent me a passage from, I believe, the second volume of Conversations with God, where I believe it says, like, you know, whether you're kissing a stone or saying a rosary or a mantra, it doesn't matter what you do. You do this in remembrance of me. And I don't believe I had ever read that passage. And it was so powerful that I shared the whole page in the like in the caption of one of my very long Instagram posts (laughs) but then I received that same passage and then another one from someone else and so it's just and now I'm speaking with you and so it just it feels so beautiful how it all just you know intertwines
1: well you know all the great wisdom traditions are teaching essentially the same thing using different words or a different phrase here and there but the fundamental message is the same it's been our misinterpretation of those messages which has caused us the difficulties that we're facing as a species. Absolutely. So our opportunity now is to agree on a particular and single interpretation. What if God was pure love? And is it possible for human beings to demonstrate pure love? Love that asks for, expects, even hopes for, nothing in return. But, you know, what kind of entity could do that? The reason it's possible for God to do that is that God needs nothing. God is everything that God could possibly need. So what could God possibly want? And what would God command? And and if God's commandments weren't kept, who would God punish? Since there's only one thing, so which amazing. is all what right God on. is. Yeah. So the right hand would have to slap the left hand. So, so God Make says, difference? no, 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 that's not how it is. And so now that we understand who and what God is, we can finally understand who and what we are and begin treating each other in the same way. Which there's we've been no told, one to of be course. Jealous
0: of. No one to hate. No. Right? No one to argue Because
1: Because nothing there's nothing we need in particular in order for us to be happy and totally okay with life.
0: Mm. How does the pure love feel there? How do you experience it? I know it's very difficult to put into words, but is it felt in a part of that neil body more so than others? Is it what you would even describe as a feeling at all for you?
1: Yes, I, I, I would describe it as a feeling of peace, peace, serenity, that, uh, that nothing is required uh, or needed in order for me to be okay and happy with, with my life. And uh, that's even true when life does not appear to be going so well, on the surface. Now, I'm not always in that space. I'm not gonna lie and try to pretend that I'm always in that space. But I will say that I'm in that space more often now than ever I was before I became aware that it was possible to occupy such a space. So even when I was going in a few years ago, I had open heart surgery. Oh, wow. And even as I was going in for my surgery, and they're rolling me in on the gurney. And the doctor's saying, now let me get you in there. We're gonna cover your face with a little mask and we're gonna ask you to count backward from 10. And then you're going to, we're gonna put you under. And he said, I, I, I want you to know, because as a doctor, I must tell you that there is a chance, it's a slim chance, but there is a 5% chance that you won't ever wake up, that you could die on the operating table. That would be true of most surgeries uh, that we could perform here at this hospital. So you need to know that," he said. "Are you okay with that? One last chance for you to opt out of the surgery." I said, "No, no, let's 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 move forward." He said, "Okay, your choice." And I remember thinking to myself, Nikki, I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, thank you, God. I can't, I can't lose here." I'm either gonna come out of this operation feeling better than I did before, or I'm not. I'm gonna do the thing called die and go home to you. Either way, I win.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, and I really did feel very calm about the whole thing. And it was a, a feeling of peace and inner serenity. I remember my wife, when they rolled me away from her they gave her a, one last minute with me. They said, "Please, just just one minute, please." So they gave her one last minute with me, and she just bent down and gave me a little smooch and whispered in my ear, "I will always love you." And I said, "Yeah." She said, What well, you seem unusually calm." I said, "Honey, I'm either going to die or I'm going home. Yeah. I can't lose." Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: So yeah. So to answer your question, it's a feeling of peace. And serenity is a feeling of being okay with what is, as, as my dear friend uh, Byron Katie would say, mm-hmm. loving what is. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's a feeling of being okay. Yeah. I'm okay.
0: I love that. That's how I experience it, too. No matter what comes, and stuff still comes, there's an okayness sure. in the background. And sometimes in the foreground, but often in the background that all is well even when it doesn't look that way, (laughs) Um, I would love uh, to be able to share with the audience where they can keep up with your writings, where they can um, follow along with any live teachings that you're offering as well.
1: CWG, which of course stands for conversations with God. So those are the initials. CWGconnect.com. That's how to stay connected with the energy of Conversations with God. I'm there every day, sometimes two or three times a day, uh, and I answer questions that people ask me and respond to comments that they post there. So cwgconnect.com is the easiest way to, to stay connected with the Conversations with God, energetic.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. This was Fabulous. So beautiful. I appreciate your time, your pointings, and you're walking us home. That's what Ram Das would say. You're walking all of us home as a messenger, teaching us to be messengers as well.
1: Yeah, speaking of Ram Das, and speaking of being in that place we described a minute ago, uh, uh, I know Richard, his, his, his regular birth name was Richard Alpert. Yes. Uh, and uh, But, uh, He's now, belovedly, called Ramdas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent some time with him once in a hotel room in Denver. He came to see me. Uh, he knew I was going to be in Denver, so he he wanted to drop by to share some time, and we did. And I, it was after his stroke. He had had a stroke which left him um, in a place where it was not easy for him to speak speak easily. But I remember saying to him, Ramdas, how are you? how are you today? And he looked at me very quietly and and I'm not making fun of him, I'm trying to make an illustration. He said, I am wonderful.
0: Ah, yes. And he smiled
1: so big. It took him that long to get the words out. but But his feeling, his energetic, was instantaneously there.
0: Yes.
1: And I learned in that moment, this is a number of years ago, and I recall in that moment thinking, look at this spiritual master sitting in front of me. He's had a stroke about five or six weeks ago. It's left him finding it difficult to speak easily and to form his thoughts as quickly as he would like. And yet he's sitting here telling me, I am wonderful. Right? Wow, Ram Das. Yes what a teaching right right in front of me in my hotel room and right. so i yeah i i and i've had the blessing of being in the uh, in the room and in, in close proximity with other uh, spiritual adepts and spiritual messengers as well in my life for which i'm very grateful people like muji and yeah, i love muji yeah and, and you know we've shared some time together and and you know, and of course, Deepak and Marianne and, and Eckhart Tolle and all the wonderful folks I'm who are out man. there sharing, sharing their their wisdom and their truth. So I've been hugely blessed to be able to share space with them, and also, by the way, unbelievably, unspeakably blessed to share space with a person named Nikki.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I feel very blessed to share space with you. I'm sure all of those great beings that you're speaking of felt the same, to be in your presence, to be the manifestation of the teaching. You know, we're all mirrors for each other and it's beautiful.
1: I experienced life in that way as well. So thank you for saying that.
0: Yes, yes. Well, thank you. And thank you all at home for listening in for another episode of New Growth. I'm Nikki Walton. I'll be back soon. I love you so much. I mm-hmm. do